Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast that all might be edified, discussions on servant leadership. I'm Keith Pankow, your host. I'm here with Captain Lushan Hanna from the United States Coast Guard. I had the privilege of serving with Captain Hanna at Sector New Orleans and have watched his career grow and him progress throughout the years. Captain Hanna is currently the Coast Guard's National Security Affairs Fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford University. National Security Affairs Fellows Program is an opportunity to spend an academic year at Hoover to conduct independent research on topics relevant to their agencies and to the practice of diplomacy. Activities include auditing classes, attending seminars, and participating in workshops, roundtables, and other special events with members of Congress, foreign leaders, senior U.S. executive branch officials, and academic experts. His research interests include disaster resilience, crisis leadership, talent management, and national security, impacts on the marine transportation system. Captain Hanna's 23-year Coast Guard career includes operational experience in Southern California, New Orleans, and throughout the Pacific Rim, where he had the privilege to build partnerships with public and private sector teams to bolster maritime security, clean up pollution, conduct search and rescue, and respond to natural disasters. He reports to the Hoover Institution following a tour as commanding officer of the Pacific Strike Team responsible for mitigating hazardous material incidents for the Western United States, Alaska, Hawaii, and the Pacific Territories. He earned his commission from Officer Candidate School and holds a Master of Science in Environmental Management from the University of Maryland, a Master of Public Health from the University of Michigan, and a Master of Arts in National Security and Strategic Studies from the Naval War College. When I was a young junior officer and I worked for Captain Hanna, who was then Lieutenant Commander Hanna, I had the pleasure of getting a strong and firm lesson from him that I will never forget. I owed him a written document of some sort, and I had to provide it and do it in the proper format. Well, I didn't quite understand what that format was. And it was midday on a Friday. And so I was trying to rush. And so I went and found a template that looked similar to what I was trying to do. I provided this template. I typed it all up and I gave it to him and and everything looked pretty good. But Mr. Hanna there was looking at it and he noticed something wasn't quite right. And so he dug a little deeper and then he stopped and paused and he asked this question, where did you get this information? He asked me and I said, well, uh," and he could see me hesitate. He said, Keith, did you use a template? Uh, yes, sir, I did. He said, go back and find me exactly where this information is supposed to come from and come back to report to me. Now, it took me a little while and ended up staying until about 5, 5.30 on a Friday and until I finally found the answer. And I, I got up, went to tell him I was done. And to my surprise, he was still there waiting for my answer. And I thought that that was such a remarkable thing that, that he didn't just give me an assignment and let me ponder on it. He waited to see how I did it or in case I might need any instructions. And so with that kind of example or story in mind, I asked you, Captain Hanna, so how do we know how to push people hard enough to get them to leave their comfort zone, but not not so far that they enter their panic zone? Right. Well, thanks for that, Keith. And, you know, thank you for having me. Uh, It's just an honor to participate. I was honored that you asked. And I'm really proud of all the things you're doing in the Coast Guard. You know, you're blowing me away in your current assignment here. And you know, pursuing your EDD. So thanks for continuing to serve. I'm glad we're able to keep talent like yourself in the Coast Guard. Uh, But your question about bringing others along and helping them find their own professional growth points as leaders. You know, I I reflect on a few things. One was advice I got from Vice Admiral Retired Peter Neffinger. He talked about his kind of methods for being inclusive and the scenario would be maybe a, a huddle with the crew, some sort of meeting, some sort of pre-operational task. And, you know, you've got a diverse group right there to weigh in on whatever you're doing. And 
And as a leader, I think it's incumbent upon you in those moments to just read the room, right? To just take a moment to look around to see if, you know, maybe you can kind of read their face to see if they're reacting to the information you presented to say, well, maybe they have a little more to offer. And you as a leader to kind of draw that out and say, hey, Seaman so-and-so, Lieutenant so-and-so, do you have anything to add, right? To kind of give them an invitation if they didn't already feel like they were invited <laughs> to contribute. And this is one thing I kind of emphasized when I took command. And that was a, something I borrowed from another Admiral Manson Brown. And, and he would say that if you don't intentionally and deliberately include every day, you unintentionally ex exclude, right? So you have to be deliberate and intentional. Leadership philosophy posts on the wall and, and you have a strong LDAC, you kind of model the behavior that it's just going to happen. You have to take deliberate steps to ensure that it happens and, and continually model it every single day in, in almost everything you do. And then, you know, people who work for you eventually pick up on it. But as a leader, you have to set the tone and set that expectation that, uh, you know what, everyone has a voice. I really just love that thought that if you're not intentionally including you're unintentionally excluding. For those that aren't familiar with the Coast Guard, the LDAC is the Leadership Diversity Advisory Council, and it's a great format for us to be more inclusive in the Coast Guard. And Captain Hannah, you provided an essay to a wonderful book called Profiles of Character, Black Excellence in the Coast Guard. And so with that kind of combination, how do we be more intentional in including all the various viewpoints and cultures that represent us throughout the Coast Guard and any organization? Well, I think for me, and, and this is, you know, I, I talk about a lot about, you know, what's next, you know, what's your next assignment? What do you want to do next? You know, what do you want to achieve in the Coast Guard? And, and to be quite honest, there isn't another medal, another assignment, another deployment that really drives me at this point. Like, I really want that. What drives me every day coming into work is the ability to make an impact on the future of the Coast Guard right? Especially junior officers, right? Because I've been in their shoes, you know, I can kind of read their face and, and kind of, you know, imagine myself, you know, at that pay grade and think maybe they're feeling this because I kind of felt this way when I had to take on uh, some of these operations or lead people through things. And, and to be able to connect with junior officers today and to almost forecast kind of what they're feeling and thinking and for them to say, hey, sir, how did you know that? It's like, well, you know, I was a lieutenant once, you know, so uh, let me let me help you through this. You know, that is what drives me. And right now it's paying it forward. Right. Because there is no way that I would be here today had uh, others not invested in me. So it is incumbent upon me to pay that forward to the next generation. And, you know, one example I like to give is um, Captain Charlene Downey, uh, Captain retired. She retired as captain of the port of sector Los Angeles, Long Beach. And, you know, when I was a lieutenant, she read my record and, you know, she's had a stellar career, just well-respected throughout the service. But she sat me down and she was the first person who ever said, LaShawn, you could compete for a special assignment. You know, before that, I, you know, I never, no one ever told me that. I didn't think I was, you know, kind of cut out for it. But for someone of her caliber, to say that to me meant the world. And I felt like I could take on anything in the Coast Guard just because she said it, right? And so being mindful of the position that I'm in now, I have the opportunity to inspire others the same way that she did for me, right? To allow others to fulfill their full potential for whatever that is in the Coast Guard or outside. The Coast Guard. So I have a 
big responsibility with that. And so I plan to use it wisely. That's just wonderful, sir. And I just really appreciate it. And to let the listeners know that you actually practice what you preach, I have a story to share. When I was sharing all the list of uh, jobs I wanted to go to, and you looked at the list and there was one job in particular that you told me to take it off my list. And I said, well, sir, why? And I won't say what it was in case anybody's actually in that job. <laughs> All right. Make them feel bad. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but you said that that's not a job you aspire to. That's a job that you let them tell you you need to go to. Right. But that won't be left over. You need to pick these jobs to show them that you want to aspire to greater things. And I, I've always thought about that when I put my list together today. Uh, what what message do I want to send about where I want to go and not just the jobs? And so I think there's a great lesson in what you shared. And, and I really do appreciate that you also put it into practice as well. Yeah, that's, I'm glad you mentioned that. And the downfall of that, and this is something I learned in my previous tour, was that when you reach a certain level in the organization, I think you have to really be careful with your words. And, and you know, I, would, I often push people to their full potential, but I think Sometimes it's backfire. You know, some people can read that as, oh, you know, Captain Hannah wants me to be just like him, you know, <laughs> and achieve these things. And that couldn't be further from the truth. So I, I actually learned from some feedback I got from folks that I was mentoring, like, hey, you know, we, we don't want to achieve what you achieve. You know, we, we want to kind of do our own thing. And, and so I had to kind of be careful about that messaging to make sure that I wasn't pushing people to do things that they weren't really wanting to do or to make it seem like I was trying to mold them in my image or anything like that. It's kind of like curbing my enthusiasm. You know, I, <laughs> I love talent. You know, I'm like, wow, you know, you could be so great. You know, I know all these great jobs and, and I'd be great for it. You know, I kind of kind of get ahead of myself and get excited. But I think it, it reminded me that I had to, you know, take a minute and pause and, and kind of you know, reconcile my enthusiasm with their own personal interest to ensure that, you know, I was steering them in a way that's kind of the best fit for that individual. Yeah, that's just wonderful. And I, I really appreciate that thought. And I'll, I'll take a moment to pause to reflect back on the, the last episode of this podcast, where we gave an invitation to create a space to really sit down and think about the leadership that you model. And I think the example you, you shared there is a perfect example of actually taking a step back and thinking about what your leadership is modeling and being careful about the words. Because as you have these people that work for you or these, these lives that you're now responsible for, it's important to make sure that you're pushing them both hard, but also in the direction they want to go, just not a, a random wrong direction for them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, you're also the host of a different podcast. It's CG Learning the Ropes. CG standing for Coast Guard Learning the Ropes. Tell me a little bit about that. Wow. So yeah, thank you for asking. That would say uh, Labor of Love, Still Ongoing, a book that was just published earlier this year. It's co-authored by a dear friend and shipmate uh, who's still serving. He academy grad. He recently transitioned into the IRR and the reserves. Uh, James DePure, he's also a civilian marine inspector at uh, Sector Los Angeles, Long Beach. And, you know, he and I go way back to being junior officers together. And, you know, often we would talk about, you know, leadership, pro-dev, the politics of the Coast Guard, kind of flag officers are going and strategic focus of the Coast Guard. And we, you know, it was just kind of a personal connection we had. He was someone I could always just bounce, you know, Coast Guard related stuff off of. And we actually reconnected in 2016 when I uh, took over as response department head at LALB. And 
we kind of just picked up where we left off. And I think, you know, a lot of coasties can relate to that. You know, you, you, you serve with the shipmate before and then you don't see him for maybe 10 years and then you reconnect with another tour and it's like, you pick up where you left off. You know, that's kind of, a, I think, a unique thing to all military services. Uh, so yeah, we just kind of uh, reconnected and we continued those conversations. And then one day out of the blue, we look at each other and uh, maybe James said it and he said, you know, we should capture all this stuff we're talking about, you know, we should put this in a book. And I'm like, oh, you know, okay. <laughs> and, you know, the pro dev stuff is kind of the things, and this is the part of the book I own was a section called the golden nuggets. And, and you know, these are the things pick up along the way that like isn't any, any commandant instruction or formal policy. These are kind of the rules of the road that mentors taught me along the way that kind of pick up happy hour at a conference, a speed mentoring event, or just, you know, having had the opportunity to work for them, things about like managing your career, what are the key assignments that make an impact that you're seeking, graduate school, fellowships, crafting your e-resume, all those sorts of topics. Uh, we put that in the book. And James, and he, he is uber talented, he was able to break down every performance dimension of the OER into its own separate chapter. So it talks about, you know, each specific sentence and what it means to maybe your job. He gives example uh, OER bullets. He gives you some action words in there. He truly breaks it down in each chapter on how to really build a well-crafted bullet for each performance dimension. And then kind of towards the end of the project, we're, you know, as we started to get more input and started to collect all this doctrine from people that we collected over the years, like, um, and there's some great, like, award writing guidance that you won't find in any of them through in the book. You know, we started to get some feedback that, hey, this would be good for enlisted personnel, too. So we got a retired master chief that talks about the enlisted career as far as EERs and advancement and how all that works. We, we do that right in the book as well. So it's really a book for all coast, you know, officer and enlisted to help advance their career. So out of that book, as, as a way to just kind of talk about some of the things we talk about in the book, we started the CG Learning Ropes podcast. So podcasts are the same title of the book. So I've had the opportunity to reconnect with a lot of the mentors that gave us a lot of that doctrine for the book and just interview them about their career and their own leadership philosophies and, 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 and kind of give back to the Coast Guard. And right now we're um, making it more topic specific. So we've had Captain Kate Higgins Moon to talk about Coast Guard strategy like, and and give her perspective as a Coast Guard strategist. Um, we've had uh, Captain Will, uh, Bill Waitira talk about the life of an icebreaker sailor. So that's kind of where we're branched off now, just to kind of just be just another resource for Coasties to have to tap into for just golden nuggets of advice. Well, there's definitely a huge gap there and it, it's great to see it. And I'll, I'll have a link to the podcast and to the guidebook in the show notes. And Obviously, anyone in the Coast Guard should definitely go there, but I'd say that there's content there that's applicable to anybody who's pursuing leadership in many ways. A couple of different things like combined together for my next question. I was actually listening to your discussion with Kate higgins Bloom on strategic stuff in that podcast while I was riding in an Uber here in Mexico City, and I was actually listening to some of those questions, and it was I just loved it because one of the things that I keyed in on was how she was saying that oftentimes the person preparing their strategic documents is not the subject matter expert. So they have to learn to go find the people that are the subject matter experts because they're trained in 
thinking about strategic issues, but they need to find someone who knows the details a lot more. And then I, this other thought I had about how you recognize this need for the enlisted workforce and their leadership and their guidebook to grow. And it, it kind of, in some things we've talked about earlier today and even in the past about this aspect that anybody can be a leader and anybody you know, can do these things and we don't necessarily have to be the true expert. So how do you use your resources or just by yourself, how do you start to be recognizing that you can lead yourself and then expand your pool by using those resources around you? No, great question. You know, I, I think it goes back to this old thought that, you know, and, and I thought this coming up in the Coast Guard is that, you know, the leader has to be this all-knowing and all-deciding individual, right? You think about like a, a, you know, a general patent kind of an image that, you know, this commanding presence, you know, very charismatic, you know, talks a lot in front of the crew. And, you know, it took time in the service for me to see other examples of leadership and be inspired by other individuals that didn't quite fit that mold. And I think it really comes down to empowerment, right? You have to give the people that work for you agency because they are the experts. And when you take away that agency, you take away just basic decision-making from them, it can, it can break their confidence, right? It can make them feel like, well, maybe they aren't ready. And so I've been in situations where I've had to follow leaders who did not allow the crew to make a lot of decisions. And I'd, I'd come in with, you know, my whole democratic approach to things and say, well, petty officer so-and-so, you make the decision. And, you know, this is where as a leader, you have to be careful with your words and, and just be empathetic to how you can be received. Although it is more inclusive, it can be very disorienting for people, right? Because they're not accustomed to that. Right. They, you know, they might be a little hesitant to make a decision because just previous to you, they had no agency in that decision. making. So I think as a leader, as a small step, you can just set some clear expectations and make discrete decisions on the things you absolutely have to make a decision. On, right. And I think as a CEO, I found that there was a lot of things that coming to me, coming to my desk that I didn't really need to make a decision on. There were people well below me that could have made a decision on it. So part of that was just a culture change to say, look, you're empowered to do this. I'll let you know if I need to jump in and make a decision. But a good chunk of that stuff gave them agency to make that decision, right? And so I think as, as much as you can push down and coach and advise, that's the direction you should head to kind of grow the next generation. Otherwise, you know, if you're the one making all decisions because you're so risk averse, you're frightened about what could happen if, you know, they make a mistake. And if you really think about it, you know, a lot of the day-to-day stuff that we do does not need a senior officer to decide, right? Save your decision-making for the, the real critical stuff, the life-saving stuff, the stuff that the, the whole unit will be accountable for, right? Because that division of labor between the CO and XO is, the XO typically ensures the unit does things the right way, the CO ensures we're doing the right thing. So make the decisions about the right things that you should be doing, right? The real critical stuff, right? You know, the other day-to-day, try, try to give a little bit up at a time. Empower your folks, because guess what? Uh, you get old fast in the military. <laughs> you become the old guy. I've learned that myself. And pay it forward for the service and for the American people. Invest in the future, because you're not going to be in that role for too long. So. Yeah, that's a wonderful thought. I've been very fortunate in my career to be 
surrounded by leaders that really they viewed empowerment as important like yourself. And I, I witnessed you doing that with me when I worked under you. So I, I really appreciated that and it helped me grow. So I think that's very powerful lesson to learn. And just thinking about what you can delegate down right from the get-go is a good way to start thinking about how to empower. Um, I, I had a boss and a, who was a good friend as well, would always say things like, the graveyard's full of people who thought they were irreplaceable. And it's true, right? <laughs> it's true. I like that. It, like you said, if we're not paying it forward, we're in the in the military, especially we're, we're stewards of the American tax dollar. That's it. And if we're, if we're not paying it forward, we're hurting the service and we're hurting the American people. So I think that's super important. You know, I noticed a big change when I switched from the U.S. Navy to the U.S. Coast Guard. And not to say that there's not good leaders in the Navy, because there are. But just the type of people the Coast Guard attracts, because of the missions are more humanitarian focused, I think the type of leader in the Coast Guard is a little bit different than you'd see in the Department of Defense. I mean, oftentimes these leaders have a propensity towards servant leadership, but I think the organization still has some overly bureaucratic methods and chain of command still very prevalent. And so sometimes we get out of this viewpoint of empowerment, or we miss the opportunity to be true servant leaders and empower people and build them up. So how do we center ourselves to take advantage of this workforce that we have that's really gifted and caring to turn them into true servant leaders? Right. That's a great observation comparing the Coast Guard to other services. I think one other aspect that stands out in the Coast Guard that kind of shapes our culture is our size, right? So early on in your career as a Coastie, you learn joining interagency fast, right? Because <laughs> we can't get a lot of our missions done without other agencies, right? And so that whole joint concept of working with others, you know, that's something that's typically honed later in the DOD career, but you got to learn it right out the gate as a Coastie, especially on, in the opposite shore world. And so I think that kind of knowing that it's incumbent upon you to work with others to achieve mission success kind of reinforces a culture of just cooperation and teamwork, right? Having a more of an inclusive lens to see what everyone brings to bear to, to achieve a mission. And to kind of foster that environment further, as far as building servant leaders, you know, it just comes down, you know, modeling the example. And, and you know, I often get asked about favorite leadership books and whatnot. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of podcasts, especially podcasts that are non-military. <laughs> uh, you know, I like to learn uh, lessons about tech and, 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 and the other corporate world kind of some of the lessons learned, especially with ethics. I love to listen kind of the hot washes on some situations. I just listened to a great one about what the company Activision just went through with some kind of third rail corporate culture issues. But as far as reading, you know, big author I love to read is uh, Simon Sinek. His, his book, Leaders Eat Last, to me, is the reference if you want to learn about what servant leadership means. And, you know, a great quote from that is, uh, you know, you can easily judge the character of a man by how he treats those who can do nothing for him. Right. You know, everyone's always watching. Right. And, and so you got to keep that in mind. You have to continually model the example and, and be the change you want to see. You know, it's one thing to just point the finger and say, oh, you know, everyone's in it for themselves. Everyone's a narcissist. You know, I wish we could all work together. It's one thing to say that. It's a whole nother thing to just model because you'd be surprised who's watching and you'd be surprised who's mimicking exactly what you do. And it just it just can't control, which is your behavior, and model the behavior you want to see. That's just great thoughts, and it, and it links back to last episode, and there's some great thoughts by Lori and modeling the way, and she shared another reference on that. So we're getting some great content here to link to it, and we'll definitely have a link to Leaders Eat Last in the show notes. 
for any of those of you that want to pursue and read more about it like I do. So that's a great avenue. And one of the things we look forward to doing is providing a greater list of resources for people who want to grow in their own leadership ability. And so my last question to you, Captain Hannah, is what advice do you have to the people out there listening that want to become better leaders? So this is prescient because I'll start with a story. Just a quick one. I, after my tour as a commanding officer, I got orders to the senior leadership principal and skills course. You know, typically 04, 05 level, you know, I just pinned on 06. I was kind of a senior 05, you know, a baby 06. And I'm in the class and, you know, I ran into a colleague and they heard that I was in the course and they made the comment that, oh, LaShawn, why would you even sit in that class? You're already in 06. You don't need that. And they couldn't have been more wrong. You know, although, yeah, I, I pinned on 06. I come out of successful command tour the Coast Guard will ask me to lead others, right? So it's incumbent upon me to invest in myself as a leader for the people that the Coast Guard is going to ask me to lead in the future, right? So that week of that course, that was a chance for me to, you know, obviously reflect on the, the good stuff that happened that previous tour, but also reflect on the stuff I could have improved, right? To make it better for these people I'm going to lead in the future, right? So my advice is to continually invest in yourself. You have never arrived as a leader. <laughs> it is a journey and not a destination. And, and it doesn't just have to be within your service or within your company. You know, for example, in my personal life, I just became a uh, scoutmaster for Boy Scouts of America, now BSA, that's taking in girls and boys because my daughter was a scout now, right? And so I've had to learn all this BSA leadership stuff and how to lead, you know, younger people campouts and hikes and first aid training, all this stuff that, you know, I'm kind of learning with, you know, it's also uh, one more tool in my tool belt and honing me as a leader. So, you know, and it feeds back and forth, you know, things I'm picking up in BSA is helping the Coast Guard, vice versa. Obviously, my Coast Guard experience has been invaluable as a scoutmaster. So continually invest in yourself. You owe it to the people you will lead in the future, right? You have never arrived. That's a wonderful thought. I, uh, I've also served as a Boy Scout of America leader, and it's just a wonderful opportunity. And there's definitely things that can be learned there. And I think one of the most powerful leadership learning experiences I've ever had in my life was through what the Boy Scouts of America calls wood badge training. Yes. So if you ever get a, if you ever I get did wood badge. Uh, that was great. It's phenomenal. It, it, will, it will make you reflect on yourself and your leadership more than anything I think I've ever been exposed to. And just what a phenomenal opportunity. And with that, I think I'm going to leave us with our challenge for this week's episode is to take the time to invest in yourself. If you're listening to this, you're already somewhat investing in your ability to be a leader. I invite you to think a little bit more deeper about how you can invest time in yourself each week to become a better leader and to be better prepared to serve those around you. All right. Any parting shots uh, before we leave, Captain Hannah? No, that was well said. Great way to close. And uh, as far as wood badge, I'm still working on my ticket, but I'm getting close. So, oh, good, good. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a great, great thing receiving. Oh, I have uh, fond memories of wood badge, and you know, it, just to kind of segue and invest in yourself. I remember when we were coming back from wood badge, a respected mentor of mine. I actually had the opportunity to go to wood badge with them. They were a uh, director for human resources in Shell, a very high profile position, a great person, a great leader. But I remember them, we're riding back together from wood badge training. And, and he says, it just takes up so much time. 
is there any way to do this without taking up so much time? And you could tell he was thinking about it. I was like, I don't know that there is, is what I said. But you could tell he responded, he goes, it's kind of under his breath said, it's the time that makes it so valuable. You know, and yeah, I think yeah. and there was that realization set in that he had to invest in the process of yeah. really considering those things. And I think that's what's important about this discussion we're having today. Definitely. Definitely couldn't agree more. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us today. I'm glad to have been here with Captain Hannah. Uh, it was great to reconnect with him. I've loved watching his career and his growth. He's a wonderful leader. You can check out some of his stuff in the show notes. He wrote an essay in the book, Profiles of Character, Black Excellence, and the Coast Guard. Helped author the guidebook, and he's the host of the podcast for CG Learning the Ropes. So I'll have notes to those in the podcast and also some more information about Captain Hannah as well. Thanks again for joining us on That All Might Be Edified, discussions on servant leadership. And thanks again, Captain Hannah, for joining us too. Thanks a lot, Keith. I had a lot of fun. Keep up the awesome work. Thank you, sir. Thank you.